to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And it's an absolute joy to welcome Emmy and Golden Globe Award-winning actress Sharon Gless to the show to talk about her life and her new book. Yeah, Sharon has written a page-turning autobiography entitled Apparently There Were Complaints, which is getting rave reviews for its humor and its honesty in which she looks back on her life, her career, her struggles, and her triumphs. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, ladies, thank you. It's a treat to be here. Congratulations on the book. It is fun and it's jaw-dropping in some parts. And as I was <laughs> as I was reading it, I thought, you know, this really should be required reading for every young woman today because you had some tough times and you struggled through them and you made it out to the other side. I did. I made it out to the other side. It's very well put. Thank you. <laughs> so, so why did you decide to write the book? Well, um, to be very honest with you, um, I was called into a meeting at CBS. Um, I was just ending a series and CBS called me in. And when I walked in, the president of CBS said, welcome home, Sharon. I thought, this is so cool. They're going to offer me another series. <laughs> and I was there for an hour. And at the end of the hour, and I tried to regale them with stories just to sort of keep it you know, going. And um, at the end of the hour, the Nina Tassler, who was the president of CBS at the time, said, Sharon, you know, we own Simon & Schuster. I said, no, Nina, I didn't know that. And she said, well, we do. And I think you have a book in you. I said, Nina, I'm not a writer. She said, but you're a storyteller. And so I said, well, okay. And uh, the next day, the president of Simon & Schuster called me. And but when my series ended, I wasn't so busy. So next time I was in New York, I went to meet him and I read him a chapter that I had written, just as you know, example chapter. And he signed me that day. So that's really how this all came to pass. Uh, it was never my intention to write a book, but it just appeared and I went for it. It took me seven years. Wow. I, wow. I have to ask how you came up with the title. <laughs> the title I came up with almost immediately. Um, it's an expression that I used once uh, in the book. You know, I talk about my alcohol addiction and a lot of stuff. And I was put in a place called Hazleton, which is the Harvard of the rehabs in the U.S. And um, there was a lot of press about it, a lot of ugly press about it. And um, when I got out, Seven weeks later, it's only a 28-day program. Hi. Um, <laughs> I got out uh, seven weeks later, and the friend came up. She said, you were in Hazleton? I said, yeah, I was. She said, why were you in Hazleton? I said, um, apparently there were complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband, not yet my husband at the time, Barney, was standing next to me and burst out laughing. And it was hard to make Barney laugh. So it was just always something I kept in my mind. It was funny. And it sort of covered a, lots of curses, lots of, lots of stuff. I think, I think it's one of the best titles I've ever heard for an autobiography. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And, it. and it really is a clue to how open and honest you are in the book about, about alcohol, about, like I say, the, the triumphs and, and the trials of your life. You did not have an easy upbringing. You, you know, 
it was painful in reading in reading about your growing up years and your teenage years and and your early twenties. I mean, I wanted right. to, to I wanted to hug that girl while I was <laughs> while oh. I was reading the book and say it's going to get better, you know. Well, I don't want to mislead people, and, and I, I can't use the word that I was abused. I wasn't physically abused at all, but emotionally, I was taken to task a lot by a very, very, very strong grandmother who held the purse strings. And that's a lot of power. And I just finally said, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to make my own money and I won't have to answer to anybody. Um, but I loved her. She just scared the shit out of me. Um, and I was very hard on me. One of her daughters-in-law warned her. She said, Marguerite, you're tough on this child. I, she had said, my grandmother had 17 grandchildren, but for some reason I was her favorite. And, and I was the least likely to succeed. Um, and she, she took me to task most of my life. And I will tell you today, I'm grateful. I don't think I'd be who I am today. She'd not been there, but um, there were a lot of complaints. <laughs> and that, and that, uh, that title informed the book. So why did you decide to get into acting? I, um, well, I, I, backtracking, I, I, from six years old, I wanted to be an actor. So a boy in my Catholic school, um, I went to see a movie once called The Kid from Left Field. And Billy Chapin, who was in my class, was the star of it. He was the kid from Left Field. And I thought, oh, that's Billy Chapin. I could do that. And at six years old, it, it lifted the fear of it, you know, obviously being an a profession that few people go into or succeed at. And I was raised in LA and I was always taken with Hollywood and the Cleed lights that ran across the sky as a child. I watched them. And anyway, I used to dream that someday that's what I would be. I'd be in the movies like Billy. And, um, and when my grandfather was showbiz attorney and he said, you stay out of it. It's a filthy business. So I never, again, really admitted that's what I wanted to do until I was 26 years old. And then I admitted it. And then how did you go from having this dream to actually, you know, getting into acting and becoming a, a contract player with Universal? Well, I was, um, I, it was a bad time in my life. I had lost, I was a secretary in the business. I worked on the other side of the camera. I was a production secretary at different studios. And um, I, it was a bad time in my life. I'd broken off a, a wedding uh, engagement. Um, my company I was with folded with back salary of mine. Um, There's just nothing going right. And my grandfather called one day and he said, I want you to come to Arizona and bring the station wagon. He had a home there because he said, bring the station wagon. Well, I think, you know, now that you're both asking me, I think that he had planned. I don't think he needed the station wagon. 
I think he knew it was just a dark time for me. And he said, come and you know, bring the station wagon and hang out with Mary, his new wife. You can hang out with Mary for a couple of weeks. So I went and I rear-ended somebody on the way. So, you know, I arrived at his ranch with the front of his car totally bashed in, steaming. And <laughs> it just wasn't a good time in my life. <laughs> and that night, my grandfather used to always took us out to dinner. We never ate at home and he stayed home that night. And so Mary and I, his new wife, sat outside or like in a solarium area with a bottle of champagne, which we both polished off. And when she'd had enough in her, she said, you know, Sharon, you're 26 years old and you've got nothing to show for your life. Wow. Okay. Um, she said, what do you want to do? And I just was silent. I didn't know what to say. She said, just say it. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't matter if you could never do it. Just say it. All of a sudden, I said, I want to be an actress. And she said, so? I was under contract to MGM when I was your age. I said, you were? She said, yes, I wasn't very good. So only lasted a year. But she said, why don't you do it? I said, I'm old, 26. You know, you just don't start at that age. And I said, besides, Grandpa disapproves of the business. And so the next morning, I said, so please don't say anything to him. She said, I won't. So the next morning, she said, your grandfather would like to speak to you. Well, of course, she went and told him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's sitting up in bed holding court. And he said, that's ridiculous. I said, I knew that's what you'd say, Grandpa. And I asked Mary, please not to say anything to you. He said, I mean, it's ridiculous. You think I'd stop you. I said, really? He said, yeah. So you want to be an actress? What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to go to an acting school. He said, okay, how much is your school? Oh my, I mean, you guys, you have no idea. I never asked anybody for anything. And I said, well, I just have to check. But I said, um, three months is $150. Well, I didn't have a penny to my name. He said, I better say that to him. I just said, three months is $150. He said, okay, you got $150. Now what? I was so stunned. I said, well, I, I, I have to get a job, of course, Grandpa. And he said, um, fine, you want to go home? I'd only been there a night. I was staying for two weeks. But... Um, I said this in my book. My grandfather was a breeder of uh, thoroughbreds. And uh, I think he knew when a filly was ready to run. <laughs> and he said, you want to go home? I said, well, no, Grandpa, I came here to visit. He said, do you want to go home? And I said, yes, please. He said, good, have Mary get you a ticket. So that night I was, <laughs> I'd only been there not even 24 hours. I, he, I, was flying back to um, Los Angeles. And when I flew over the city where I was born, um, I looked out of the window and I thought, this is where people come to be in this business. I knew I wasn't a great beauty. I knew I didn't have a great body and I knew I had no experience, but I knew I would not fail. Something I looked out that window and I said, this city is mine. I was born here. I will not fail. And I didn't. And, and then somebody offered me a job with the Thursdays off. That's when my acting class was. 
it's just like everything fell into place. And a year after that, I uh, was offered a contract at Universal Studios. Wow. That's my story. Yeah. What, wow. what, was, what was that like? That was wonderful. I was told by, you know, I was in a little acting class and, and some of my friends heard I'd been offered this contract. They said, don't sign it. You'll never be heard from again. I said, nobody's ever heard of me now. So I signed it and I was there 10 years. It was the most wonderful, wonderful time. Those days don't exist anymore. That contract system doesn't exist anymore. But they paid me whether I worked or not. What made it so wonderful? Well, I got $186 a week, whether I worked or not. And I was in heaven. I, I was there. I started doing roles with James Garner and, and, and Lisa Wallace and, and Dennis Weaver and all the, in those days, only men had leads in the series. But I got to work with all of them. And I learned from them. We thank you for being part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. You know, we always try to tell you about things that will help improve your life. And our sponsor, ZocDoc, is one of those things. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. They treat almost every condition under the sun. You know, it's frustrating to go to a doctor's appointment expecting to be able to fully explain your symptoms, condition, and worries only to find that the doctor wants to hurry you out of their office. Instead of listening to you intently, the doctor is checking the clock. But on ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. I've used ZocDoc several times to find doctors, and I have never been disappointed. I love how ZocDoc lets you check a doctor's availability and book an appointment as soon as the same day if there's an opening. Thousands of doctors and medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. ZocDoc helps you find the ones that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up your energy. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com NTM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z. D-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash N-T-M. ZocDoc dot com slash N-T-M. If you have a symptom that you'd really like to get checked out, don't put it off anymore. Just go to ZocDoc dot com slash N-T-M and download the ZocDoc app for free. You just have, have worked with so many of the these household hold names. Who are some of the the men that you the the actors and the actresses that you've worked with who are really really special people to you? Robert Wagner. The we most love, we love him. We do love him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What makes him so special? He is the most elegant. His kindness. Um you see how charming he is on film? That's what he's like in real life. He's just like that. And he gave me breaks. He, I was about to be fired from Universal, and he hired me for his series. And the description of the character was a Natalie Wood lookalike, 
well, check it out. I no more look like Natalie Wood. And he picked me. He just saw something. And I was about to be fired from Universal. And because he picked me, I got to stay. And the name of the series was called Switch. Yeah, I remember Robert it. Wagner and Eddie Albert. And he just, they were both wonderful men. And RJ, which is what our, Robert was called, RJ was Bob Wagner was called RJ. Um, he he would go out of his way to to help me and make and do, have me do things where the editor would cut to me instead of him. And he just looked out for me. You know, and you you've had so many groundbreaking roles that many actresses would love to have had. And I'm wondering when you've taken on some of these roles, have you sensed? that they were going to be more than just a job. I mean, Christine Cagney and in Cagney. I never knew. Yeah. Debbie Novotny and Queer as Folk. Well, I, I, I had a feeling that Debbie Novotny, that that show was going to be quite something. Queer as Folk. Um, But I had no idea what Cagney and Lacey was going to become. Had none. I turned the role down twice. Barney says actors are not always the best judges of material. Um, <laughs> and Bar- Barney, of course, is Barney Rosenzweig, your husband, who's He's now my the husband, producer right? of Cagney and Lacey. He was the producer and the creator of it. That's right. What? First feminist I ever met. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say are the pros and cons of being married to somebody who's in the business? You can't really get away from it. Well... Uh, the, the maybe the problem is is that he couldn't come home at night and say, "Boy, you sure look fat in dailies today," you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what he could normally do. But I would, you know, obviously be hurt by that, and he wouldn't be staying sleeping in my room. <laughs> um, um, and yet, um, being married to my producer also. Uh, had its wins. He always looked out for me. Um, I think that I can't say he would do it because I was married to him because Barney looked out always for his actresses. Before I was married to him and we were doing the trials of Rosie O'Neill, he had a designer come in and hand make every suit I wore. Everything was handmade for me, right? Nothing was bought out of the store. And he had me all in beautiful 40 suits. And um, I remember he came into one of my fittings and he, he said, could you do something about that bra of hers? I think something a little more aerodynamically sound. <laughs> <laughs> now, normally, you know, if you didn't have an intimate relationship with your producer, you wouldn't be making remarks like that. You know, you have often played these strong, ballsy female characters, and I'm wondering how different they are from the real-life Sharon Gless. Well, I think I am strong, but I don't, I don't know if I'm as strong or as ballsy as Chris Cagney was. I do have, I do have that tendency, but... I can demure, you know, I can back off if somebody's unhappy with me, but I'll also fight. Um, there's always a piece of me in everything that I play. 
And I can't say I don't have a bad mouth, but I never had a mouth like Debbie Novotny. Mm. Um, when they changed the, the stations, they after uh, Queer as Folk was over, they, the station was changed on which it was supposed to air. And that station didn't allow words like fuck. Well, my producer said, every time you opened your mouth, it sounded like a truck backing up. It would be... <laughs> Um, So I I think there's a a piece of me in each role I play, but not in the same way. I I would do anything in character and have, (laughs) and I would, anything, (laughs) and maybe some things that I wouldn't do. We talk a lot on the show about emotional well-being, and I know that's something that's important to you. So what do you do? I take an antidepressant. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there you go. I was born a depressant. Yeah, you you're so honest about that. You're you know about the the trials that you went through also when your your parents were getting divorced when you were a teenager and right. uh, I didn't know I was born a depressant until I quit smoking and I, I was in therapy and couldn't stop crying. She said, I think you're a depressive. So she sent me to a psychopharmacologist and he diagnosed me after, you know, several sessions. And he said, I think you were born this way. I said, really? Well, I wasn't always, you know, drinking. <laughs> and, and he said, no, but, as a child, did you ever disappear? So what do you mean? Physically disappear? No. He said, no, I mean, emotionally disappear. I said, well, I do remember times when I would sort of wake up in class and have missed a whole subject. And he said, that's it. You just sort of go off somewhere else. And And I do tend to do that. And you, you talk about at one point being able to just make yourself feel like you were dead. Yes. Um, actually the therapist that I've talked to about it, hate that I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Hate it. But I'll tell you, it's worked really well for me. I just sort of go someplace else and nobody knows that I've done it. I can sit and have conversations with people, be the life of the party, but inside I'm able to cover my heart. What does that do for you exactly that, you know, other therapies and techniques that people have doesn't. Um, it just saves me. It uh, protects me. I, when I first learned that skill, I was in boarding school and it was a very terrible time in my life. And I wanted to die. I was a teenager. You know? I wanted to die. And I just kept sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I just couldn't stop. And then something came over me like an angel or something stepped in and just blocked the pain. And I thought, I don't, I can do, I can do this. I can go to dinner with everybody tonight. I can go get in trouble in the front of the student body and be called down in front of people and no one will ever know they I didn't feel the thing. And it was such an amazing thing that I learned. And I went to dinner that night after my eyes swollen from sobbing. And 
That was great. Make conversations with people. Nobody knew. And inside, I was just sort of dead. It's great. How have those painful chapters in your life made you a better actress? I don't know. I That's don't have an answer. answer. It's a really good question. I really, I really don't know. I, I don't go dead when I work. Ever. Um, and I don't know if my experiences have made me a better actress. I hope so. I think everything we go through uh, instructs us or affects us or you know, there's a, there's somewhere in the back of your brain where you remember everything. And like I've, I've played, uh, um, um, sure I have, I've played a murderer before. It doesn't mean I have to murder somebody to play. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I did um, Misery in the West End of London. Mm-hmm. And I took <clears throat> a special class from my coach just for that role. And we didn't have a lot of time because I, had a plane to catch. And I always remembered this. He said, Sharon, this woman, I always remember she's in love with him, the nurse. She's in love with this writer. Very clearly. He said, but always know that at any moment, within a nanosecond, she can strike. She can cause damage. As much as she's loving him, there's that one split second. She's someone else. And it really uh, informed me beautifully because the version in London was not like the movie Kathy Bates was so wonderful in. Um, The movie was soft compared to uh, Stephen King's book. In in the the, uh, movie, she... The hobbling is breaking his ankles, if you remember. In Stephen King's book, that is not what she does. She amputates. Hmm. And I amputated on stage. Wow. This prosthetic pieces of the fellow actor. Um, and at any second, she could change. And it's, it was made it just fascinating for me. But I didn't have to be a nurse who goes around maiming people to play it. I don't know. You know, I really don't know how I do it. I have had acting lessons and I just go somewhere inside and find whatever it is I need. Well, and you're obviously very good at it. (laughs) You've been, you've been nominated for 11 Emmys and seven golden globe awards. Oh my God. What does it feel like to be nominated and how does that change your career? Um, I don't know how it changed my career, but it sure feels swell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I bet so. It. I loved it, and I loved winning when I did. Um, but uh, I don't know if it changed my career. I guess it 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 kept me going. You know, it kept me getting other parts, and um, I don't know. I had. I should tell you, there was a woman in my life, my manager. She was the woman who was head of talent at Universal Studios. She's the one who discovered me and signed me. And she's the one who kept me working and taught me and 
took me into screening rooms to watch my film and tell me what not to do again. Um, and then when this contract system ended, she was the first female vice president of MCA. She uh, became my manager, my personal manager. She left the studio just to be with me. And um, she's just schooled me and educated me and forced me to look at things I don't want to look at on film because I usually don't ever watch myself. But she was the reason she's known as the star maker in her day. Yeah. And um, she invested the last half of her professional career. She invested her time in me. And I will forever be grateful. I don't believe I'd be sitting here talking to you that you'd be wanting to talk to me if it weren't for her. You know, Sharon, our show is called Nobody Told Me. And we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? What is it that nobody told you about life or love or acting or show business in general that you had to learn the hard way and you'd maybe like to pass on to other people so that they don't have to go through the same kind of pain? Gosh, I know that's the name of your show. And it never occurred to me you were going to ask me that question. Because now I'm, I'm totally, um, I've always, I did, this is not an answer to your question, but I've always had to learn from experience. I didn't learn because somebody told me. I never listened. You know, to my mother would say, you always have to learn from experience. I tell you, don't put your hand on the stove and you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Nobody told me these words, but I really believe you get as much love back in your life as you give. Oh, beautiful. Nobody ever said those words to me, but I believe that's been my reality. And as long as I, you know, was kind and, and gave love, I seem to have gotten it back. Uh, I don't know if that's a lesson for anybody, but it's, oh, oh yeah, it's a God, beautiful it really lesson. is. That's God, that's wonderful. Oh, oh good for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us how people can learn more about the book and connect with you online and on social media. Oh no, um, well, it, it, it's you can get it on on uh, Amazon, and I'm I'm not very good social and media. Your, your website, your website is SharonGless.com, right? That's right. Perfect. Hey, that's <laughs> all we need to know. That's great. I know where, where people buy them is either Amazon or, or, um, wherever yeah, books, books are sold. Well, Amazon yeah. or Amazon are pretty much the choices. I'm an insuster where my publicists. Yeah. And I don't think they've done a very good job about checking in bookstores. They sort of dropped the ball on that. one. So I don't know what bookstores I'm in. It is their job to make sure I get in them. <laughs> um, but uh, also, oh, my audio has won three awards so far. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Congratulations. That's nice. Fantastic. I know. I, that was came as a shock to me. Um, so the audio is also very good. I'm really proud of you guys. I'm very proud of, of the book. And I'm now proud of the... Uh, of the audio. And um, it was not a wasted effort. It took me, as I say, seven years, but 
I, Barney says, I, that I didn't enjoy being a writer, but I've now loved being an author. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we hear from people. Yeah. 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 And and you, you just, you just are so good at it. And I, I just really thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us and, and for writing this book, because I really do think that other young women who are, or older women who are struggling can read this and say, Oh my God, she went through that. And, and, and she they came feel out on okay the side. being yeah. vulnerable too. And, right. and opening up. I think it's such you a good, can, you can survive. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. You can survive. And I don't mean I was physically abused. I was not. Yeah. No, I, I, there was emotional damage. Right, and, yeah. um, but I just believed it was all going to be okay. And that's I, the energy I, we all need. That really is. Yeah, I just especially I just during the pandemic, it, just think it's it's we're all going to be okay at the end. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is absolutely true. And another thing I learned that is absolutely true: we are all going to be okay after this thing. Um, um, what I learned in my life, as I said, my grandmother held the purse strings, and you had to dance, man. You had to dance. She had the power. Mm-hmm. And I could give anybody, it would be make your own money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Make uh-huh. your own money. Yeah. So you don't have to yeah. dance so, so hard when it, when, it, when it becomes overwhelming to you because you obviously need to be sent to school. You need certain things, you know? Yeah. And my grandmother was able to provide all of that. Um, but once I started making my own money, it was different. Well, Sharon, we thank you so much. And, and just thank you for opening your heart and, and your life to all of us. Oh, you guys are so wonderful. Thank you so, so much. And, Jen just a- and Laura and anyway, my, my love to, to all of you. This and was be- so cool. best of luck with the book. I, I know you're not going to need that. Yeah, much, exactly. Already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Again, our thanks to Sharon Glass, whose new book is called Apparently, there were complaints. It's absolutely fabulous. Her website, again, is SharonGless.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.